Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. We are doing something today that I am completely uncomfortable with, but we're going to do it anyway. So, Kyle, welcome. Hope you're as nervous as I am. Nervous. Yeah. You're extra. You're extra grumbly today with the intro. You know, I think it's because I'm further away from my mic. I can tell you're you're overcompensating. You're you're projecting even more. You don't need to. You know, it's a struggle, Kyle. It's a struggle. There it is. There it is. We've we've fixed Joe's microphone issues. I got a few complaints on Wednesday. That's why I didn't invite you on on Thursday. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're dumb. I know. You're just stupid. Kyle, you can get the Draft Dudes podcast on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and don't forget to tell that smart device to play podcast, Draft Dudes. Interesting show concept today. Is it? It is, because people love these things. I've never done one before today, like 10 minutes building one for this show. My first ever tear maker. I assume yours as well, Yes. Yeah, my first ever tear maker. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. So what we've decided to do is we're we're obviously still very very early on in the process. Very early. So you don't need to make disclaimers, man. It's okay. Brother, we've, we've got Maddie V tattle taking us on our shows from last August. Get ready. We're toast after this. Well, I mean, I guess to be fair, like it was August for an NFL take. Yeah. So. It was like three weeks in advance of when it would have mattered versus this is 10 months in advance of when it's going to matter. But plenty of time for people to forget about the bad stuff we're about to say. It's very true. But let's be honest, right? We watch a lot of college football as draft dudes. That's part of the job description is to watch college football. (laughs) And by that association, we are at least familiar with the majority of the prominent quarterback prospects in this year's draft class, correct? Yeah. You'd say so? Yeah. Yeah, we're at least relatively. So what we've done is we've made a tier maker for 2020 quarterback prospects. Not all of them, just the ones that were automatically built into the uh, the template, which was created by John Vogel. So thanks, John, for creating the template for us. We're going to use it right now. And uh, – Joe, we need to we need to read the names, but my challenge is we need to read the names without reading them in the order of the tiers that we've put them in. Okay. Okay. So some of the names included, or I guess all of the names included. I just hope I don't miss any because I'm gonna jump all around my board here. Houston's to Eric King. Shea Patterson from Michigan. Ian Book from Notre Dame. Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Love from Utah State. Jake Fromm from Georgia. Uh, 
see. Who did I miss here? <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa. We got Joe Burrow from LSU. We have Jalen Hurts from now at Oklahoma. Uh, Justin Herbert. Jake Eason. Uh, Guarantanamo. How do you say his last name? Garantano. Garantano. I almost said Guantanamo. <laughs> Garantano from Tennessee and this Temple kid. Which is a great segue into our first column on the tier maker. We're going from the bottom up, which is who knows. And I've got no freaking clue about the Temple quarterback, Joe. Yeah, me neither. He's, he's, he's in a, my bottom tier. Yeah, he's in my who knows. No idea. Um, who's their new coach at Temple? Do you know? Um, I should know, but I don't off the top of my head. Rod Carey. Rod Carey. He comes over from Northern Illinois. <clears throat> okay, I'm not too inspired. So who knows? He's in. The, he's in. How many other quarterbacks other than the Temple kid are in your who knows tier? Uh, I put another one in there. Um, another one. One more. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. I also only have one more. You want mine first? Yeah, I do. I put the Houston kid, De'Ara King. Yeah. Yeah. Same first tier, Joe. We did it. We did it separately, so we don't know what each other's tiers are right now. You're very excited about that. Yeah, great minds think alike. So, Derek King, I do know that he's a popular yeah. prospect with a lot of draft Twitter. You see a lot of him on the timelines, Joe. But other than the highlights, I can't. I can't claim to know his passing prowess super well. I can tell you that I was at the ECU Houston game last year, and I never thought when I was watching De'Ara King play that I was watching, you know, like a NFL quarterback. And I didn't, I didn't go into the game thinking that I should be thinking that way. But there's nothing that happened in that game where they scored. I don't know. I'm guessing at least 50 points that made me say, "Oh, this is a guy I need to get on my radar." But I'm extremely, extremely uh, new to his game and, and taking him seriously as an NFL prospect. So. I was at the Houston Navy game this year, this past year. I felt exactly the same way. <laughs> okay, good. So not a very promising start. We had two watches of him separately, and neither one of us picked up on anything. But who knows? Don't want to write him off yet because I don't know for sure. Not familiar with him. Now, the next tier up, what is it titled for you, Joe? Um, I have the no thanks tier. Oh, you're very nice. Mine is straight trash, homie. Makes sense. That that's that's on brand for both of us. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> now, how many players are in it? This is the biggest one. Uh, I, like I think, think seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. I have five. Oh wow! Okay, we'll probably, probably have some similar answers here. I've at least got one more than you do. This is interesting. That's true. All right, so I'm going to throw a name out there, and I want you to tell me if you agree with me, and we'll go back and forth that way. All right. Okay. Brian Lewerke, Michigan State. Yep, he's in there for me too. Yeah, go ahead and pour one out for Brian, right? I, I got on that train hard last year. Great hair, I got, though. Great I hair. got some grief for it. No, not even anymore. I don't even share the hair with him anymore. I can't. Oh. can't don't matter. I am. I have graduated to buzz from bald. But in, in four days, three days? In four days, I have a buzz cut. Really? Yeah. You're not smooth up top anymore. No, it's all prickly. I like it. It feels like uh, sandpaper up there. I sit there and play with it. All right, but I got I got some grief for the Brian Lewerke thing, and I mean, you watch some of the 2017 games that he played, and the Penn State game, 
was good. Uh, he was terrible against Ohio State. He was terrible against Michigan. The Northwestern game was really good. He had some good two-minute drill type stuff there. The bowl game that they played was the best game he's ever played. I think they played Washington State. He felt really good about him going into the year, and just the wheels fell off the bus. The entire Michigan State offense was terrible. And, Joe, do you know what their response was to such a bad year offensively? Michigan State's? Yes. No, what, what are you going to say? Oh, this, is, this is the crown jewel of bad moves. They took every positional coach and reassigned them to a different position. Oh, really? Is that <laughs> you're not you're not kidding? No, I'm not. That's legit. That like that they did that this offseason. You're kidding. No, I swear to God. How was that a good idea? I have no idea. That's, that's really that, weird. That that's how they handled it. They just reassigned all their coaches to different position groups. I can't even – that's so weird, Kyle. So, good luck with that. Straight trash, homie. Brian working. <laughs> no thanks. All right, give me one. Uh, in my no thanks category, I have LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. Straight trash, homie. Yeah, well, no thanks. I mean, this dude uh, – like it, it's one of those deals where like he may have been the best LSU quarterback we've seen in quite some time. And there's some like maybe some appeal there because uh, he's not completely awful like a Danny Etling. But you just knew a draftable quarterback. Right. Danny. Etling. Yeah, How dare you? I, I know. I know. But the, like you're watching LSU. You're like, this team's really good on defense, but they just don't ever make any plays on offense through the passing game. Like you just knew that he was so limited. Now, to his credit, he didn't turn over the ball a ton, but that was like the best thing about him. I I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think he really does anything for me. And I thought that while he didn't he he didn't necessarily make mistakes, he didn't do anything to help that team win. So the no only thanks. thing he did, the only thing he did to help him win was he protected the football. Right. right? You gotta make plays. A lot of, a lot of his a lot of his big plays were like Big bodied receivers kind of over the middle, wide open, or right. quick or quick hitting stuff, and then they make plays after the catch. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of throwing guys open or taking no. chances against coverage. Like that's just he's not he's he's too conservative. By the way, did you hear uh the early results for uh Ryan Finley at OTAs are in and he's been trashed thus far? I'm shocked. So am I. Fourth round pick, traded up, Ryan Finley. Too conservative. Don't make the same mistake. Say no thanks. I think Joe Ryan Finley is a better prospect than Joe Pearl. I agree with you. <laughs> so there's okay. that. So, so that's so worth. I got to give you another one of mine. All right. In the straight trash homie tier, a Notre Dame quarterback in book. Yeah. Yep. Straight trash homie. Don't, um, don't need Listen, it. he's better than Brandon Wimbush, so he's got that going for him. Mm-hmm. But the longer – it went on the worse it got watching him play. And then just straight exposed towards the end of the year. The Clemson game, mm, that was that was really all I needed to see. The performance in that game to know just absolutely positively no thank you. 68% completion percentage, Kyle. Yeah. You know, it's true. I know that's a big stat for quarterbacks, right? Yeah, especially when they're at 52% or whatever. No, this one's almost at 70%, Kyle. I mean, I'm just poking Josh Allen. I'm just poking Ian Book. I mean, you got to love that completion percentage. 
It's almost like the stats don't always tell the whole story. Right? They, they don't always. You got to grind the tape, right? That's true. <laughs> All right. I have in my no thanks category. This one might be a little bit polarizing. Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. We've Straight seen trash, homie. We've seen enough, right? Is he in yours too? He is. We, we, I mean, this guy started. I mean, basically, what is he threw seven hundred and seven passes over the last three years at Alabama. All right, so we we have a good idea of who he is, and I just felt like while he can do some things with his legs, and he has a you know great size, and that has helped him make plays in college. What he has to legit hit throws. You saw it so much in 2017. He's just wild. He just doesn't always get the football where it's supposed to be with any level of consistency. Now, I'm anxious to see how he does with uh, Lincoln Riley over there at Oklahoma, who's produced back-to-back number one picks overall at quarterback. But I have my doubts about, obviously, that not continuing here, that continuing in 2019. But I just don't know if there's a whole lot to be excited about when it comes to Jalen Hurts and him being an NFL prospect. So here's the thing. Hertz played the half of his life against Georgia, right? Oh, he did. Came in in the second half, went yeah. seven for nine, 82 yards and a touchdown, helped him win the football game. Uh, preserved that run to the national championship game. So Kirby Smart also that, helped with that. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Calling fake punts on fourth and 15 at the 50 with yeah. a minute left is not the brightest idea no. I would have thought. Yep. Tied football game too, nonetheless. Um, but with that said – that's such a small sample size. And he had played positively in years past as well, as far as certain stretches, but the consistency that you mentioned, not there. And I think the ironic thing is I think Hertz is going to have a really productive year. He has oh, to, he will be an athletic quarterback. And, yeah. oh. You know, he's going to be a touchdown to check down style passer. They're going to run a lot of you know, movement with him in the backfield. They're going to run a lot of misdirection. They're going to run a lot of those kind of same zone read concepts and run pass option concepts that Oklahoma has feasted on with their passes over the last two years. And as a result, he's going to have guys open vertically. They're going to do a lot of quick hitting stuff in the flat, let the athletes take care of the football. And then they're going to weaponize his legs. He's going to have a huge year. But I just don't think his qualities as a passer are going to qualify him to be a coveted NFL draft prospect. I'm out. I agree. But he'd be great for that Taysom Hill role, Kyle. Shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> we talk more about Taysom Hill on this podcast than a, than a Saints broadcast. It's crazy. <laughs> it's your fault, too. I don't, I don't understand. All right. So I, I have one more in the straight trash, homie, tier, and you have two. Um, yeah, but I have one that I feel bad about, but go ahead. Okay. So I'm hoping we're, we're like-minded here. Straight trash homie, Shea Patterson, Michigan. Got him in there. Yep. Did, I mean, he came over from Ole Miss and we were expecting, wow, Michigan's really going to cut the ball loose. And guess what? He was so bad passing the ball. They had to go back to running the football <laughs> because they had to take the ball out of his hands because he couldn't do it. And Michigan's a team that has some talented wide receivers with Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black. The tight ends that they had there, they had McKeon. Um, so for him to come in and struggle as a passer the way that he did was really eye-opening for me, and I'm and it doesn't meet the size thresholds. I'm completely out on Shea Patterson. All right, I'm with you there, Kyle. I have one more in my no-thanks category, and I feel a little bit bad. He was the guy that I just – 
felt like had the best chance to climb out of this, if if that makes sense. I've Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. He has, okay. he has some moments, right, where you're like, maybe there's something there. But, I mean, I think he's also very inconsistent. But there's some tools present that I think when I consider him against the rest of these dudes in this category, he's different. And so he's like half in the, the no thanks category, like 25% in my who knows category, and 25% in my don't sleep category, if that, if, yeah. if that makes sense. That's a good segue. So your next category is don't sleep. Yeah. yeah. My next category is raw potential. Okay. Kellen Mond is in the raw potential yeah. tier because, as you said, the tools that he has from what we've seen, watch the Clemson game a ton, right? You scout any Clemson mm-hmm. 2019 defense, you're going to watch it six times for the amount of prospects that they had in that game. So watch that game a ton. Watch the Alabama game. Watch the LSU game. So there's enough, I've had enough repeated watches of this to know enough that he's got a live arm, he's pretty mobile, he'll make some really stupid decisions, but if you can have Jimbo Fisher really iron him out, yeah. you might have something there. Yeah, in my who know, or my don't sleep category, this is might be a little aggressive, but Jarrett Garantano from Tennessee. He's got some physical tools there in terms of uh, his ability to run a pro style offense. We'll see what that looks like with Jim Chaney coming over from Georgia this year, taking control of this unit. He's got some receivers there. I really like Marquez Callaway. Ty Chandler's an interesting running back. Uh, and I think that you saw growth from him. Uh, you, you think about his year with Butch Jones in 2017 compared to what we saw from Garantano in 2018, especially later in the season. I think there's a chance he can put together a good uh, final season at Tennessee and get himself in that day three discussion. So the game for me that had Garantano, he's in my raw potential tier. So we're we're still like-minded. Do you have any others in the don't sleep category? No, he's the only one. Ah, see, we're we're right now we're locking step together. I love it. So Garantano, the Auburn game for me. Yep. Was the game you know, as I'm scouting the Auburn prospects and you kind of gained an appreciation for the tools that he had, he had a strong performance in that game. I think he threw for over 300 yards in that game. He did. If he didn't, he was definitely close. He did. But yeah. um, that was the game for me that kind of seeing him in, in, on this list and appreciating the fact that, you know, he's a big kid, right? He's like 6'3", 6'4". So he's got like that prototypical build that you teams are going to want to see in a pocket passer. And um, the the fact that he has – the raw throwing potential landed him in the raw potential tier. Lo and behold. He had a good game against Kentucky as well was another one that stood out to me. So and Kentucky had a great defense last year. Yes, like their whole secondary got drafted. So uh, there might be something there. Keep an eye on them. Avid, avid draft network fan, Mike Edwards, right? A big fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he borrowed one of the, uh, when he got drafted, we had posted an, an, on Instagram, a, a graphic and, he had shared that, so that was pretty cool. Avid TDN fan, Mike Edwards. So last two tiers, I have potential franchise guys and franchise guys. You have? Might be top talents and intriguing top talents. Okay, so we're we're talking the same language here. Yeah. How many are in each tier? Two at the top, three in the one below. You coward. I've got three at the top and two underneath. Yeah, I know who the one guy you have floating is. Yeah, so do I. Right. But that's all right. Let's let's start with the, the one of the agreements that we have. I'd be willing to bet uh, Utah State kid. Yeah, Jordan Love. Jordan Love. 
Jordan Love. Uh, how about Utah State as a program in general last year, right? Yeah. We were not expecting to see that kind of turnaround for a program that was, quite frankly, bad. Mm-hmm. And then Love in year two uh, comes out, and he, his completion percentage, I know, key stat here, completion yeah. percentage, it grew by 10%, though. Yeah. A huge jump. And his average yards per attempt went up almost two yards per attempt. Uh, he's athletic too. He can move around a little bit. So 6'4", 225, uh, really productive passer last year. Uh, he started slow against Michigan State, but they Michigan or Utah State almost won that football game. And you could see he was making enough plays and, and pushing the ball down the field and and not just like a check down Charlie kind of guy. He's he's not afraid to let it rip down the field, and I appreciate that about him. Um, so I think there's enough there, but I need to see it for another year first and foremost, and I'm hoping to get some primetime competition for him to get another look because the best team that they played last year was Michigan State, and he threw no touchdowns and two picks. 32 touchdowns and six interceptions on the season. Kyle, he comes to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, week one against Wake Forest. So that'll definitely – yeah, oh, it's like a Thursday night game. It's it's tailor-made oh, for me. Can I, come, can I come down? Yeah, come on down. Maybe Jordan Reed will get there as well. We'll, we'll put three in the box there, uh, yeah. BB&T Field. Uh, good place yeah. to watch a football game. Never been. Uh, you know, it's don't just don't go hungry, man. They're not gonna they're not gonna impress you with the uh, with the halftime meal, but uh, it's, it's a it's a good it's a good sight line and a good experience uh, in Winston Salem. But yeah, I mean, I think when they play BYU uh, and Boise State, so those oh oh Utah State plays LSU, brother. I'm sorry, come again. Utah State plays LSU. That's going to be the most important game of his of his life. Let's go. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive yeah. prime time competition. Yeah, yeah. So beautiful. I'm, I'm anxious to see him. Yeah, the tools there are really exciting. I'm going to do some work on him, obviously, over the summer. But uh, big year for him. He can really climb up there in that top tier conversation. Yeah, yeah. So who else is in your potential? I don't know. If you name this tier something stupid. Potential franchise guys. Something stupid, huh? Uh, the might be top talents. This is a guy that I know I like more than you, but he's not quite in the intriguing top talent tier. Jake Fromm, quarterback from Georgia. Um, I did some work on him last week. I wrote about him for the Draft Network. Um, look, I, the challenge is that he's just physically limited. He doesn't have great mobility, and his arm strength is not ideal. It's not Ryan Finley, Nate Peterman, Noodley, but it's it's not a top arm in terms of his ability to get velocity on the football. I think there's some mechanical adjustments he can make, uh, especially with his lower body to get some more zip on the football. But you just have to understand that he's just doesn't have a rocket, but I really like his, his mental processing. I think he reads defenses really well. I think he hits throws with anticipation, really good touch throws down the field, but this is the type of quarterback that's gotten me in trouble. All right. I understand that. I recognize that in my, my career as a, an analyst. So I'm going to continue to be cautious and recognize where he has some shortcomings, but uh, I think there's a lot to like about his mental side of the football game, how smart he is. And obviously Kirby smart loves him. He's committed to him. He's moved on from Jacob Eason and Justin Dumb. Fields Dumb. because, Dumb. because of Jake Fromm. All right. So there's something there and I just have to be careful with overvaluing things that, uh, not necessarily overvaluing things, but not paying close enough attention to some of his physical deficiencies. Agreed wholeheartedly. 
My question for you is this. I want to keep this short because I don't like talking about bad quarterbacks, but <laughs> this is this is like, like the second best quarterback. The, the fourth best so one. Yeah. yeah, what are we doing here? What does From have to do in 2019 to get you to let go of your apprehension? It's because I don't know. I don't no, know what he can do. That's the hardest part of this discussion. I don't think where he needs to get better, he can. Is he going to get more arm strength, and is he going to get more athletic? I don't think either one of those two things are going to happen. So, what does that mean? He is. He's probably like a career backup quarterback, like a Case Keenum or something like that. Can, can he peak and be Kirk Cousins? Well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that all of these average quarterbacks in terms of physical gifts are the next Kirk Cousins because that just doesn't always happen. So, I think his best case scenario is Andy Dalton, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah, that's to me, I, I think of those two quarterbacks fairly similarly. So um, I don't know, man. Sorting out the Andy Daltons and the Kirk Cousins from the the Nathan Petermans and the uh, Kyle Alettas and you know, those types of players, it's challenging, man. So I'm going to be cautious with him. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, you have one more name in this tier, do you not? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Why'd you put Eason in this tier, man? Because I need to do more. I need. Well, first of all, I need to see him play more, right? He, he hadn't really played in two years. That's fine. His, so, 20, his 2016 tape was better than anything Jake Fromm's ever done. And I need to watch his 2016 tape to see if I agree with that. So I recognize that he's got great physical gifts and five-star talent. I personally just need to see more before I put him up here with the other two guys. Well, we're not ranking them in the tiers. We're just listing the tiers. Right. And so that's why in my tier of might be top talents, it makes perfect sense for Jacob Uh, Eason to be in there. You named it this. You took the easy way out. I took the smart way out, Kyle. That's fine. Uh, Eason's in my franchise guys down. Wow. I watched watched five games from 2016. I'm in. If he plays at Washington, and I expect he will, because they're not known for their defense in the Pac-12, if if he plays to the level that he played as a freshman quarterback at the University of Georgia in 2016, look out. I mean, there's some Matt Stafford-type vibes with this kid. And I really love the arm. He's aggressive. He didn't make any like egregious throws that I was just kind of confused. Like, what were you looking at? Or, or wow, you totally blew that. So, like, pretty sharp for a young kid. Uh, there's some some mechanical defic- deficiencies. You know, he, he trusts his arm a little bit too much. Anytime you get a big arm quarterback and they're young, that's typically a flaw that you have. So, I'm going to make the leap and assume some progression and this is exactly where I got in trouble with Brian Lewerke last year, but you know what? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm willing to take the blame if it doesn't materialize because I'm looking at the evidence and Washington's got some good receivers on that roster. They're playing in the PAC 12 where they're not going to play really stout defense with the exception of maybe Utah, right? Like it's just, it's not a conference that plays super difficult defense. There's a reason why the PAC 12 has the reputation that it does. And they've got some pretty good offensive linemen. Trey Adams is back there, provided he stays healthy. So I think there's enough pieces there for Eason to really excel. And just the physical tools that he has are so, so good. You know, he's he is right up there with the top tools that we've seen in the last few years of quarterback. Does it all materialize? To be determined. 
But from a tools perspective and for how good he was in 2016, I'm in on Jakey's. Um, I wish that they had a tougher schedule. I was looking over because you had kind of made that point. Like their non-conference is Eastern Washington, Hawaii, BYU, and that's it. You're going to light them up? And then this regular Pac-12 games. And then they'll play Utah in the conference championship, and then they'll go to a New Year's Day Bowl. Hopefully they play Ohio State. <laughs> you know at the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Give me a good defense. I just we need to see him tested at some point here. Yeah. Um, all right. So I I guess you call me a coward there. I need to see more. I, I just need to expose myself to more of him. Um, I'm excited to see that though, because you feel like Jake Browning, look, he had a good career statistically at Washington. But I, you just know that he's – I mean, you want to talk about physically limited quarterbacks. It doesn't get more physically limited than Jake Browning. So now you kind of have the polar opposite here with with Chris Peterson. How much more – and more ways can Eason attack a defense and give you more options in terms of what defenses right. have to respect? I mean, that could be really exciting. Yeah, it's kind of like they're going to unlock a whole new section of the playbook as far as right. what they're <laughs> able to do. Right. Right. All right. So the top, t- the top talents, man, we got the same two. Uh, no, you have three. You yeah. Have three. I mean, I've, I've, I've got Eason in there, but oh, yeah, I by make, and large, I want to make one more point here and I'm not, I'm not putting words in your mouth at all. Uh, and, and I am sort of stroking your ego a little, which is dangerous. It's but always you, fun. I like this. The, you, the, you, you've taken your, you've taken a beating for the Brian Lewerke thing, but we yeah. shouldn't be so quick to forget the Baker Mayfield thing and the Mitch Trubisky thing. It's true. So, it's very true. Yeah, let's just just for some perspective there. That's the nature of the industry. You're gonna you're gonna have hits and misses, especially and early. You you went you, right. You went on the shots early. Yeah, three different times over the last three years, and twice you put you got a quarterback that was drafted in the top two. I'll take that. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, so so what uh, is J- is Easton the guy? Are, are you are you there? I mean, I'm I'm gonna wait through the September schedule and see how he plays for a couple games first. Yeah. But I was also like that with Lewerke. Like I wasn't pounding the table for Lewerke. I never had Lewerke in my top 32 prospects. I don't think at any point last year, I never put him that high, but like with Baker, you will, you watch Baker's first month and you watch Trubisky's first month and the Florida state game was the one that really sold you. And you're like, I'm in. And that was at the end of September. So I'll know whether I'm fully in and committed to Eason by the end of September. I, I just have – I know what I'm expecting to see, and if I don't see it on that soft non-conference schedule that you're talking about, then I'm probably going to pull myself back off. By the, by the end of September, he'll play five games. Eastern Washington, Cal, Hawaii, BYU, and USC. Yeah, I'll know. You'll know by then. All right. All right, so the top tier, I think uh, everybody knows who's in there. Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. Uh, man, you know, it's funny. Like you wonder how high he could have went if he came out first, <laughs> you got to think he's going to the top, <laughs> top 10, right? Like for sure. Oh, definitely. Right. I don't think he, I think his floor is New York at six. I get that. They, I get that they fell in love with Daniel Jones, but if you put Daniel Jones and Justin Herbert side by side and you're picking Daniel Jones, you're even dumber than I thought. 
Well, yeah, no, that's that would be egregious. And I think Herbert's probably the type of talent that would have enticed a trade up from a mm-hmm. team. So that you know, you're not going to trade up for Daniel Jones. So I think that discussion gets a little bit interesting. But man, the, Herbert, you the Stanford game. Was there better quarterback tape last year than what we saw from him in that game? No, oh, it was a crazy game. I mean, you saw, you saw, I mean, pinpoint accuracy. And it's funny because now there's some comments coming up about like his, his soft nature and demeanor that's coming out. But I think from a football perspective, this is the type of a quarterback that goes in the top 10, top 15. No question. It's, it's all tools and traits, right? It's, He's got it all, and and unlike Eason, who we just got done talking about tools and traits, he's put it on the field, and he and he has a strong body work. He had a strong body work last year. Were there some misreads and some misfires? Yeah, sure. But you've seen teams gloss over way more than the flaws mm-hmm. that Justin Herbert had to take a guy in the top ten mm-hmm. because he's got all this stuff you can't coach, and he's got really promising. You know, you can just tell by the way he operates the offense, the thought process is there. He's working at an advanced level, and he, he's, he understands when and how to take his shots and where to put the ball to do so. That Stanford game, Joe, like you talked about, like, first of all, how did they lose that game? You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're milking the clock at the end, and they fumble, and then Stanford comes down. And didn't Herbert had like two incompletions in that game or something. Just played out of his mind. Didn't, didn't get the dub. Tua, Tua's in there, right, Kyle? Has to be, yep. Now, this is interesting because I, I know that you've done – you've watched Tua, haven't you? Uh, Not super in-depth. Okay. I've, I've I kind of by proxy watched two or three games. Do you have a preference here between the two of these guys? Uh, I'll probably lean Tua okay. at this point. Um, But I would say that just from the casual watching – uh, I want to know how Tua rebounds from struggling towards the end of the year relative to his own um, expectations that he set for himself throughout the first nine or so games that they played last year uh, because he he did struggle against Georgia and he, he struggled against Clemson. And so how much of what he really did that was such elite tape was a byproduct of the talent disparity on the field. So that's my big question for him, but he's got the arm that can make all the throws. He's super confident operating the offense. Uh, And again, when you've got young guys that are as efficient and and refined as he is, that's super exciting. So that's probably why I would lean with two over Herbert. Yeah, I felt like that ankle just, he was never right on it. And I think it affected him a lot towards the end of the year. Yeah. You know, the discussion with two is going to be this, right? Everyone's really intrigued by him, but this dude might have four first round picks at wide receiver, right? I mean, how do you, how do you factor that into his evaluation? Well, you, you've really got to dial in the tight window throws, right? Because if he's hitting a bunch of layups, then how much stock can you really put into pinpoint accuracy? Now, holes in zone coverage, anticipation when guys are crossing in between zones, and then where he puts the ball placement when he's got to hit a guy who's covered but still open, right? Those are the things that I think you have to dial in on if you're going to draw the line and quantify with so much elite talent around him, 
you do, you're going to have to look deeper into the tape to find the reps that actually count because you're going to get a lot of reps that don't. So can we bring in Marcus Mariota to this discussion? Because I remember one of the big, one of the big discussions about Mariota coming out, he didn't have four first round picks at wide receiver, but it was, he hits he a ton of layups. He hits, yeah. he, he hits his layups. I just, I, I think this is such a unique scenario because I don't think we've ever seen this marriage of highly touted quarterback with these receivers. And, and, uh, He's going to take a lot of work for me to to feel comfortable with him. Not not saying that you, you shouldn't be, but I just I'm going to really try to consider that into the way I view Tua, and try to extrapolate, like you said, those 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 NFL throws and how many there are. So that's going to be a long film study when I get to it. So does that mean you lean Herbert? No, I I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm probably. Oh man, I gave I gave you. I, a I know. I know. Look, um, I think I'm more comfortable with Herbert right now. Okay. Right now, yeah. I can tell you if if Vegas gets their prediction right, and the Dolphins have the first overall pick. Yeah. And if they have the first overall pick, it means things didn't go well with Josh Rosen. I think the Dolphins would probably prefer Herbert over to it too. Does that really mean that? What the the fact that if Miami go gets the first pick, things didn't go well with Rosen. Right? Can Josh Rosen no. be good and Miami have the first overall pick? Yes, it is possible. And that's so hard, right? Because like, what? <laughs> oh, that's really difficult. Um, it's a fun year to be covering the Dolphins. Let me tell you. Jeez, oh, man. Because the me- media's already made up their mind one way or the other on both sides of the fence like a little subsection of like the Dolphins beat that that said that the Dolphins weren't interested in Rosen and then they traded for him so they had egg on their face so now they're all pissed off at Rosen for nothing they're talking about how watching Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen at OTAs is like um watching Chad Pennington versus Chad (laughs) Hamm Not to go down a rabbit hole but I think the Dolphins analysis has just been weird this year like even the stuff with like Jordan Mills didn't some report come out like this week that like Jordan Mills has been so bad in OTAs he's already been benched? Like when did it's we, OTAs? When did people start talking like that in early June. Yeah, I mean they're they're we just don't have ads on. Yeah, if you're making any kind of snap judgments with stuff like that this early in the game, like you're doing it wrong. I, I, it's, Dolphins media is just having one big pissing contest. Yes, it's weird, and you know. I'm competitive by nature. It's taken everything in me to not get into the pissing contest. Yeah, don't do it. But I think what's – I think we were all a little surprised that Miami actually made the move for, for Josh Rosen just because of some of the stuff that Brian Flores said about what he valued in a quarterback. And you didn't necessarily connect those dots to Josh Rosen. So that's why I was somewhat dismissive of it. Of the potential of, of that marriage happening? Yeah. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I was I was very surprised to see it materialize. So was I. But once they traded back from 48 to 62, I said, okay, if he's if he's not going by 62, it's just oh. like legit. Yeah, well, that's the thing is the economics of the deal got more and more favorable, right? That That certainly helps. Somebody tried to tell me that the the Dolphins were bidding against themselves and they they could have got him for less. Come on. 
Well, and that, that the Cardinals fleeced him because they got a two when no one else was bidding. The Cardinals got a two instead of a one or an earlier two because they didn't put him on the block until after they made the first pick and totally misplayed the situation. I, you know what's funny? hairs, man, with that discussion. You know what's funny? What? We came in today and we said, wow, I don't know if we have podcast topping. And we've now gone 40 minutes. Did we really? On today's show. Yeah, we did. Time flies when you're talking ball, baby. Show Any parting thoughts? We're going we're to shut it down right now. Uh, People got to get on to their weekend, man. Happy hour is gone. Um, I'm looking at a millipede on my floor right now, crawling towards my chair. It looks like a rainy weekend in Charlotte, Kyle. So I'll, I'll, you hate to see I it. I do. I'm just going to have to watch Game of Thrones all weekend. Stay, what episode are yet? Uh, season three, episode two. So we're starting episode three tonight. Okay, so I need updated big board ranking for you real quick. Top five. On characters? Yes. Oh, my favorite characters? Mm-hmm. Oh, number one is the is very, very clearly the mother of dragons, Khaleesi. Okay. Number one. Uh, number two, I got a lot of respect for Rob Stark. Okay. Uh, number three, Tyrion. Which is okay, so he grew on you. Oh, he grew on you. Big jump. You're a little shady on him. Yeah. Big jump. Big big jump. Um, number four, Arya. One more. And number five on my big board is, huh? Might be the. Is her name Brian? The 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 female knight. Brianna Tarth. Yeah. I also gave consideration to Talissa on that list. And I really like – I'm being introduced to this – well, I don't want to give anything away. I don't know her name. That's the problem. That's a challenge. Because um, there might be somebody that's binge watching that hasn't got to where I am. I don't know. Listen, the, the, the whole series is over. I wouldn't bo- worry about spoiling shit. It's the, it's the girl that uh, is replacing Sansa as the um, – potential wife oh uh marjorie yeah yeah she's yeah. I, I dig i i like her i like her i like her yeah, yeah she's 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 a charismatic lady it's right? refreshing in this society to see somebody yeah. like her there you go there's your top five joe we appreciate the updates listen i need you to call me when you're going to start episode nine of this season Okay, so what's funny about this is you just said that to me. Brett Whitefield told me on the phone this week. He says, Joe, I don't care when it is, what time of day it is, nothing. When you're done with season three, when it's over, you call me immediately. No, I need to know when you're starting episode nine. This is out of control. The last, yeah, shit's about to hit the fan, brother. I, what, it's been hitting the fan for 22 episodes, no, man. No, no, it hasn't. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Folks, we're going to leave you on the cliffhanger there. Thanks for listening to the Draft News Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this Friday episode. We're talking forward some 2020 quarterback prospects. We had a good time with it. Hope you guys did too. Make sure you hit subscribe on this podcast any way that you listen, but we'd recommend you download the Himalaya app. Check it out. And then when you're driving around, you can tell your smart device, play Draft Dudes, and it'll play it right there for you in your car. Nice, cool feature. They got some cool algorithms to pull in additional listening, listening topics for you. Kyle Krabs at Grinding Tape with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.